Welcome to the Business of Freelancing podcast, where we help you get more clients, make more money, and live an overall happier life freelancing. I'm your host, Brennan Dunn, and today is episode number 10 of the podcast. So yesterday I talked with Nick Hans of Reenhanced, a consulting firm located right outside of Philadelphia. And Nick and I talked about how we can differentiate ourselves against our competition. But before I get to the interview, I wanted to tell you about a workshop that I'm co-hosting next month. In my last episode, and I think it was episode number nine, I covered four ways that you can productize your consulting business. And one of the, the best ways, frankly, to do that is to not only offer a product, but also a foundation of recurring revenue through uh, monthly retainers. And, you know, naturally, as a result of that uh, podcast and also a lot of, uh, you know, articles and things I've written around uh, retainers, I've gotten literally hundreds of questions in my inbox asking me, so how, do, how exactly do I get started? You know, this sounds great, but I have no idea how to sell this or bring my clients on board or anything like that. So, you know, a lot of the questions that came out of these uh, or a lot of the points that came out of these questions were things like, so how do you price or how do you position your, you know, how do you position this retainer or how do you sell to your clients on the idea of paying you monthly? Well, Patrick McKenzie and I, uh, Patrick's better known as Patio11 on the internet, we're hosting a one-day boot camp uh, on August 8th, so a little less than a month from now, and we're going to help you answer all of these questions and then a lot more. This highly actionable online workshop, and note it's online, I've gotten a lot of questions saying, so where is it? Uh, the answer is it's in your living room or your bedroom or your home office. And... Uh, but we're going to basically give you everything you need to confidently provide ongoing value to your, to your clients. So, you know, both of us have a lot of experience in products. We, we know what it means to, um, frankly, how to, how to position, sell, market, and um, you know, come up with a value proposition for a product. And the thing about a retainer is it's, it's pretty much a, you know, it's not, you're not selling your time anymore. You're selling a benefit-heavy product for a price. So we're going to cover all of this. Again, the website is recurringrevenueforconsultants.com. And without any further ado, here's my interview with Nick. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Nick Hans of Reenhanced. Uh, Nick doesn't really need... Well, how did we meet? We met on Twitter, uh, I guess, boy. right? <laughs> Yeah, I think it was through your book, actually. Yeah, I, I bought that. So I think I think you you bought a book of mine, but but most importantly, I think is we got to know each other over the masterclass. And um, so Nick runs a a small uh, software development shop up in Quakerstown, Pennsylvania, which is kind of, I guess, wedged between uh, New York and Philly. Yep. And um, got a team of uh, three full time people, and I think you got what one subcontractor that you turned to. Yeah, it's two two full time myself, and so there's three of us in the office here, and then one right. one contractor who works occasionally. Well, you're a full time employee, so you count. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but anyway, we wanted to uh, we wanted to just chat about uh, really differentiation. I think like what what why should why should somebody hire Reenhanced when there are a, a bajillion other Rails consultancies out there or, or software consultancies out there. Um, so, you know, Nick, you, you brought up this topic, you sent an email to the list, uh, you know, about a week ago Yeah. and, um, I think you phrased it as, you know, why should, 
if if he was approaching my dad and saying, um, "Oh, you need software built, uh, hire you know hire us," why uh, you know why them? Well, let me take a step back because it, the idea actually had a, a different start than that. Okay. And uh, I was dropping my son off to work one day, and he works at a machine shop, and they build uh, you know specialized parts for government contracts for for other places. And I started to think, you know, that's really similar to how other people view my business. Uh, you know, I don't really know who their customer is. I don't really know what they do, but I know that they make custom tools. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's what I do. You know, I have, I build custom tools as well. Mine just happen to be at the digital form. But why would I choose, you know, my, why would, why do people choose the company my son works for? And why would people choose me? Uh, what what makes it different? Why would you know? How can how can I be different than uh, the next guy? So, so I don't I don't really know how to answer that yet. Um, <laughs> I have been been thinking it over, um, and uh, I think it's probably one of the more important questions that that every business needs to answer, uh, not just software companies. I think at the root of that is is when we look at ourselves as kind of a, a provider of some sort of commodity, you know, if, if we, if we provide uh, software and your uh, son provides, um, I guess, some sort of physical tool of some sort, um, you know, we, we look at it as uh, not that we're selling widgets. I mean, we're doing something custom and, but, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, the value proposition is generally we build software, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, the that's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah, so I think the question should become um, not really, well, there's a few ways that I know of offhand to kind of um, come up with an answer for this. The first is, I think, more obvious, which is niche yourself. You know, become known as the software development shop that specializes in X. And, um, you know, that, that kind of sets you apart because if somebody's looking for um, X, you know, they're more likely to hire you over somebody who is just a generic software consultancy. Um, so that's one way I can think of. Um, what else? Do you have any other any any other thoughts or that come to your head immediately on um, ways to basically stand out? I mean, another thing is just to have uh, become that kind of brand where you've. Uh, I actually had one. So I had a client, one of my first consulting clients, who. Uh, they hired um, me and they also hired Pivotal Labs at the same time. And the justification really to the investors was, well, you know, Pivotal helped uh, Twitter scale. And this is back when Twitter was going down all the time. Um, and they just kind of got back on their feet. So the, to the investors, it was like, oh, you, you know, if you're going to be spending our money, we think there's lower risk if if Twitter, you know, this big company I keep hearing about and, you know, on CNBC keeps uh you know pays these guys right so right. you know there is there is uh having that brand recognition i think can be extremely valuable too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so that's that's one way to do it um giving people something that they can feel from it as well uh is is another way that i kind of thought of we could use for our team uh you know, we put a lot of pride into our work to ensure that it's of high quality. So we do uh, tests on everything that we do. And um, the clients don't really feel that. They don't see that. So an idea I had had was what if we could use that to, uh, 
to provide something usable, something that the client can can feel and touch and see that the progress is being made. Right. Um, you know, that would be something I could showcase, something that uh, that people could I could I could make a nice example of that. Right. Um, so that was one possible possible idea that I'd had. Um, even going so far as building a tool or a product behind that that would sort of automate that. So every time a new feature was delivered, the customer would be able to see a very nice summary of the code coverage and uh, you know the, the 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 scenarios that are being tested and those sort of things that other companies like mine really can't provide, especially if they're not building that that sort of quality into the product. So instead of instead of creating a niche um, or instead of going in and targeting a particular niche or a vertical. Um, instead, what you're saying is you would prefer to just add value to your own services, which sets you apart from most consultancies. Right, right. And it gives sort of a try before you buy way to demonstrate um, what it's like to work with us because clients are going to remember the experience of, of working with us more than they'll really remember the results of the work. Right. And I assume you would deliver... Uh, you you would deliver this via you know some sort of report by you know as a PDF or something. So they would have deliverables that are that go beyond just a code base. Right. 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 Yeah, and they'd probably get the reports you know maybe even a couple times a day, but uh, it provides something there that they can then show off to uh, other stakeholders inside the business. Um, and it makes our our presence very very uh, visible, which is something that we want to have we don't want to be someone that they you know they call up and then some magic happens and then you know at 3 p.m they reload the website and it's all different um you know we want to be a little bit more transparent than that yeah and i could also see so one benefit to this could be also um that the people funding a project aren't necessarily your clients right so um if you were able to deliver some sort of some sort of report that basically says your money's being spent well and they right. can pass that up the chain. Um, that's much different than like, I, I always hated when, you know, say you're doing a new, a new web application and for the first few weeks, it's going to look like crap. Right. <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately, even though there might be a lot of work being done behind the scenes to build out the, the product, uh, if the only de deliverable is what shows up in somebody's, you know, in Chrome or Safari for somebody, um, you know, most clients aren't going to go and, 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 you know, go through the, the source code. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, what they're going to be seeing is the devised templated, um, you know, login form that looks pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, if you can, I think what you're saying is, and correct me if I'm wrong in this is by delivering additional value in the form of some sort of report that details metrics that, are beneficial to the uh, to the client. Not only are you kind of um, helping uh, massage their fears, right? M massage. Mm -hmm. You're basically proving that this is backed by something that you can't see, but this backing is adding, you know, is reducing the total cost of ownership of this product long term. Right. Um, and, right. and secondly, in the early stages, when there isn't the great looking design and it doesn't like. A lot of clients, I think, have a very hard time conceptualizing what this is going to look like at the end. It's kind of like, you know, if I walk into a, um, and I'm guilty of this, when I was buying my house, I naturally, when we went to the, when we looked at houses that were furnished, I was always like, I want this one, right? And mm -hmm. 
when we went into the bare bones houses, I, I had a very hard time seeing ourselves living there. So I think, um, you know, there, there is, I think there is a problem with people or not, not a problem with people, but a problem where clients have a hard time. Like we've seen how the generic ugly device login form becomes something really nice once all the pieces are in place. But, um, you know, our goal I think is to communicate, but also to, um, to provide, uh, I don't, I don't want to say insurance, but to provide, um, what it is, is it's a, a decrease in risk and, uh, you know, all businesses, all people really are, are willing to pay for that decrease in risk. If you think about the last time you took a trip somewhere and you had to pick some place to stop to eat, you're driving on the freeway or the highway and, uh, you know, you'll look at the signs as you go by, you're much less likely to choose a diner over McDonald's because you've been there. You, you know what the experience is like. Exactly. And right. the reason for that is because it takes less risk. You know, it takes the, the risk of going to the diner and finding out that it really is a dive versus going to McDonald's, which is a compromise, but still, you know what you're going to get. Uh, you'd rather take the compromise because the decreased risk over the diner, which is a complete unknown. That's actually a really good point. Um, this is kind of tangential, but one of the things that I always tried to instill was I wanted us to have really a repeatable product um, anytime anyone hired us. And I know, you know, looking looking backward, I know that there were some projects that turned out totally different depending on who was working on it. And, you know, one of the reasons for that is I was throwing talented people at the problem. I wasn't throwing a process and a solution at the problem, right? So right. client hires us, I throw Bob on the project and Bob works totally different than, you know, Jim and the outcomes and the in the the journey or the path to get to that outcome could be totally different. So we didn't have a standard process, which is I mean, let's face it, if if somebody's paying us and we don't want them to be running our time, we need to have a product and a product like McDonald's is more or less repeatable. Right. So there's a risk that comes with trying to be too flexible for your customers. And I have customers that respect our time and are happy to work with us because of the process. And they've told us this directly. The processes we have in place, you know, we have a very strict uh, development process for, for getting our work done. But beyond that, we have a, a process that they have to go through before they can even start working with us on a consistent basis. Right. And uh, they respect that. They, they like the fact that we're willing to say no uh, in, a, in a variety of different places because we have our own way of doing things because we found that that's what works best. Um, and by trying to be too flexible, uh, you're really doing yourself a disservice and uh, the clients are not going to choose you because being too flexible introduces risks and they can really feel that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I've always argued that the easiest way to, um, you know, to not only charge more, but to win more projects and, and everything else, everything else that's good for your business is to mitigate risk. Yep. So, okay. So let's cycle this back to the, the theme. Um, it sounds like the way, the way to really, um, differentiate ourselves is to be a lower risk provider than the other right. guy. Right. Like you could try the flaily guy and you could put the guy out in front of your office with the, you know, wacky waving flailing arms things, but I don't think that's the right way to do it. Um, you know, you want to stand out in a way that makes you better, not just different. 
Right. So unfortunately, it's not the easiest thing in the world to, um, in the sales process at least, to mitigate risk. risk. Risk mitigation happens naturally over time when you're a solid team and you're delivering great results. You know, the a repeat project is is much has a much different tone than trying to sell somebody who's never worked with you before. Right. Um, so early on in the in the not only sales process but the onboarding process, I think we need to really focus on uh, lowering that risk. Right. And right. Um, so what are what are companies like Reenhance doing um, to to do that? Uh, you know, a lot of it is is the way we communicate. Um, you know, testimonials are worth a whole lot more than uh, than any words you can speak. Um, I had one of the one of the, our previous clients had told me very directly that uh, during the sales process, when you're talking to freelancers, you're talking to companies. Uh, everybody sounds sounds great. Everybody's telling you the best things in the world, right. and uh, they don't believe any of it. <laughs> so, if you can give them something that they can see, it's worth a whole lot more than uh, than promises and and the nicest words or the best words in the world. You can talk about ROI, you can talk about all that, but you know the the people you're talking to have their guard up for a reason. They've right. ever been burned before, or they're smart enough to know that sales involves, uh, you know presenting your, your best face and it's not a lie to present your best face but unfortunately there's a lot of people out there who present their best face and then never follow through so if you can provide instances of proof where you followed through uh that's a that's a big help as well so you're saying your proof would be to uh send over kind of these reports to potential new clients yeah so that was that was you know if we were going to go with that idea um we would be able to send those reports, show previous projects. Uh, we actually do have a project that we use exclusively just to show people, um, you know, the sort of the sort of outcome that they can expect. Uh, so, it's a nice way for technical clients to be able to review the code, get a sense of what our workflow looks like, what a, a commit history looks like, and what a repository looks like once we finish with it. And uh, that's that makes a big big difference over. Um, a client who says, yes, we'll work with, or a freelancer who would say, yeah, I can work with you. I can adapt to this. I can do that. Uh, saying yes to everything is not what you want to do. You want to just show what you've done and, and prove that you, you're competent. So you really got to demonstrate competence in, in any way that you can. Okay. So here's where I would push back if I was a, let's say I'm a savvy client. Sure. Um, you're, you're sending me things about, uh, you know, code quality and this is a well-maintained repository and everything else. But if I'm looking to um, to have you know a problem solved, how do I know you didn't hammer the wrong nails? Okay, that's a very good question. Um, and really, that's something that we'd we'd only be able to work through uh, by having a good conversation. And the best conversations uh, involve the word "no," involve you know being able to demonstrate that you know what you're talking about and. Uh, share the knowledge that you've learned through your experience um, in the sales process because that experience is is worth a lot only when it's implemented. So if you can share what you've learned, uh, you know, people you're talking to can get a real sense of, of you understanding things on a, on a deeper level. Right. So I would say that the best way to do that would be through the right form of testimonials. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think... I've talked about this, I believe, before on the podcast. I know I've written about it a bunch. But when 
when we're soliciting a testimonial, um, I just mentioned hammering the wrong nail. So what I mean by that is, um, yes, you're great at writing code, amazing test suite, uh, everything looks good, but you know, I, I still don't, I don't have more customers at the end of the day. I'm not making more money. Yeah. Um, so what I would recommend for those of us who do have these kind of success stories that we know about, at least, um, what we should be doing is prompting our test or getting testimonials that reflect the return on investment that we delivered to, uh, to our clients. So instead of, you know, Nick was great, Nick and team were great to work with, which mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you, you won. It doesn't mean that you gave them what they needed. Um, you know, the best testimonial I think is, is one that's going to say, you know, Nick helped, uh, you know, before Nick, we had, uh, X and then after hiring Nick, um, within six months, we were at 300% more sales, right? You know, that, that's the, that's the ultimate, I think, uh, objection killer and, and social proof that will, uh, will help. But yeah, I mean, I, well, even if you don't have those testimonials, you know, if you're just getting started with this, um, demonstrating that you understand that is just as valuable. So uh, I've actually had, um, we have some, some blog posts sort of queued up that are stories about how software has changed a business. And it's not work that we've done, but uh, it demonstrates that we know that these are the sort of results that matter. And these are the stories that matter because this is what we want to do. This is where we're headed. So if you can build a brand behind telling those sort of stories, behind you know understanding the results that can be generated, um, that, again, is going to, to set you apart from someone who says, well, I write Python code and it helps customers um, to solve solve X problems. You know, if you can share stories of actual results, even if they're not things that you've done, they're still very valuable to have. So the one-two punch sounds like it would be a mixture of um, the our work is solid. We're you're going to have a lower total cost of ownership if you pay us more upfront, and you know, add added to that would be here are some case studies that show you that we understand your business and we understand uh, what people like you need and we understand how, how we can, uh, you know, minimize the risk that we're going to build the wrong thing for you. Right, right. And one of the most ironic things about software development is that the better you get at it, the, the, the more work that you understand projects are. So uh, anyone can come up with an idea of a, a project that needs to be implemented in six months and have a, a very long list. And you're going to find, you know, 10 or 12 people who say, yes, we can do that for sure, no problem. And it's only when you've been in the business long enough to understand the real work that goes into to building a product of quality of, of that scale that, uh, that you can say how long it's really going to take. And it's unfortunate because you understand the cost better than, than some of the other guys who would be competing against you. And uh, you know that the, the total cost is going to be higher. It's just it needs to be delivered more up front to save more down the line. And that's something I'm still struggling to, to figure out the best way to, uh, to express that. So I've always had issue with people who, and I think we've talked about this before, people who um, use technical jargon and say, you know, we practice TDD and we have test suites and everything else. Um, while that's all good and well, and you shouldn't hide that and you shouldn't hide the, um, you know, uh, the language, uh, 
it doesn't necessarily, you know, if, if you hire my dad who needs software built for his company, he's not going to know that TDD is beneficial in any, in any way. Right. And, um, so I think what you would need to do there would be to really pitch it as an insurance policy. You're going to say a lot of companies spend more money maintaining stuff than they do building it up front. And you get this done through us, the way we build software, the way that we're going to proactively show you the kind of security mechanisms, the checks we're putting in place and the, the likelihood that your total cost of ownership um, will be, or there's a, there, uh, there's a bigger likelihood that you're going to pay less to maintain what we build for you than the other guy, you know, would, would cause you. Right. And, and I think that's something, you know, when you reformat testing and, you know, best practices when it comes to test driven development and everything else, as we're providing you insurance and we're going to lower your total cost of ownership, which are two words that business owners use. Business owners know what insurance means and they know what TCO means. They don't know necessarily what TDD means. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's not that not, I'm not, I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying, you know, don't use testing in your sales pitch. We just need to think, you know, why is it, you know, we, we look at testing as, um, so the, the code works, you know, long-term, right. And there's a lot of, ancillary benefits like we can add new people to the team and the test can be living documentation and you know blah 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 but at the end of the day we need to cycle back and say this is why you should pay for it because it because you pay for liability insurance because you pay for homeowners insurance because you pay for life insurance you health insurance i mean this is why you do this because you want to reduce risk I don't really sell testing as anything separate you know i consider that part of what needs to be done to work as a professional. And uh, there are a lot of, of uh, people out there who build themselves as professionals, but they're not actually doing professional quality work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might be able to get away with that non-professional quality work if you're hired as an employee of a company that doesn't care about that. But as a professional offering professional software development, you need to act like one. And that means making sure that your work is, is done to a, a quality standards that you can measure and uh, acting like a professional in, in all ways that you can. And, uh, you know, being as professional as you can in the way that you communicate in the, the website that you do and all of the, the different methods that you communicate with your customers is going to help you stand out and be different from uh, other other freelancers or other companies that you may be working, with, uh, working against. Right. So I think that... Um... I, does that answer your question? <laughs> I, th I think we just, you know, we, we started this discussion wondering what separates us. And I think what separates us is really what do we provide that goes beyond what we think we provide? Um, you know, we, we, think we, we think we're a software development company, right? But what we're really doing is we're, um, we're using software, yes, but this is the... Um, you know, these, these, these are really the value adds that, you know, it, you go to, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, you know, you, you buy, you go to certain hotels over others because you get, um, they have an, you know, a nice bar inside of it, or, the, you know, it's just, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at is right. when we right. step beyond, I'm a coder, you're a coder, he's a coder and get more into, um, you know, this is, this is re-enhanced 
this is what they do. This is how they do it. And this is um, their brand, really. You know, your brand, which is um, like the, you already mentioned, like the CI reports or whatever they may be. You know, whatever whatever you're offering your clients that is right. different than what, you know, Joe over here is offering his clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, start to finish, really, it's it's more of a, you know, it's it's something that affects your sales and marketing. It's obviously something that affects your execution, and it's um, it's something too that I think affects your referral base because, you know, one benefit I think of providing tangible deliverables, uh, deliverables like PDFs, is they're shareable, and um, you know, business owners like sharing and showing off stuff. So, who knows? I mean, they could. Um, that could be something that ends up uh, being a driver of new business to you um, by having, but just the act of having, you know, this sort of easily email attachable, you know, document that ends up being something that further builds your business. Right. Right. And even if, you know, there are lots of guys out there who are, are very, very bright guys and, uh, Yes, you can pay less. You can get better work, or I'm sorry, not better, but at least of the same quality work from uh, from freelancers, from you know, from here, from Reenhanced, from other companies. But uh, it needs to be a combination of the quality of the work with the extras that that will make you stand out. Um, you know, sales is a lot about perception. Execution comes later, and if you can give people a better perception. And follow through on the execution, uh, then you can you can win more sales. Right, right. No, I, I think that's that's really that's really awesome. <laughs> I mean, I you know I, I haven't thought about it as you know obviously I'm I, I'm always thinking about how do you what's your value proposition? What is what is the benefit to the client? You know, because I think so many of us don't really focus as much as we should on that. But I never thought about it in such a simple scenario as, you know, why should my dad hire you over someone else? Right. right? Um, it, I think it, it, in a strange way, it humanizes um, the, you know, the sales and marketing. Right. And I think you always should. I mean, big company or small, you're still selling to other humans. And we're all, you know, we're all in this together. Right. So um, if people want to find out more about you and your company, where can they go? Uh, com, or we have our newsletter is available at businesstechsecrets.com. Cool. Well, Nick, thank you again. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking on the Masterclass community. Oh, thank you very much, Brandon. Okay. See you later. Yep. That wraps up my discussion with Nick Hans. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to continue having discussions with successful consultants and freelancers who are out there. So if you would like to join me on a future episode of the podcast, uh, drop me an email. My email is brennan at planscope.io. Also, if you like the podcast and you want it to succeed, um, I'd love for you to go to iTunes and actually leave a, leave a review. Um, you know, one of the ways to promote the podcast is through uh, social proof. So, um, you know, if you like the podcast and wanted to uh, want to hear more, I'd love to not only hear what you think, but also uh, have it committed to the iTunes database. 
So thanks again, and I hope to talk to you again in about a week.